call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 128 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy, J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Anna Katina, watch two films featuring one actor playing two identical characters, right? You got that? 2013's The Double and 1991's Double Impact. Yes, they both have double in the title, too. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at callfriendopodcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations. And find me on Letterboxd at AndyCIFpod. And find Donica on Letterboxd if you can. I have no idea what his name is on there. And I don't follow him as far as I know. Maybe I do. Who knows? Peace. All right, bitch ass. What have you yeah, been doing with yourself? Well, you know, I watched a couple of movies, and then I watched a couple of movies. Nothing else? Thank <laughs> uh, God. No. I mean, obviously, I read the Quran, but that's Yeah, it. I read the Quran a bit, uh, too, mm. but I mean, I'm not... I don't want to throw them off buildings. We got to no. figure out a different thing. Let's open nightclubs or something. Yes. Um, I, uh, I don't know what I've been up to. I haven't watched any other movies either. What were been, you doing? I've been really fucking busy. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. You're under no obligation to watch anything except for films with double in the title. I mean, I watched more of The Shield, but I've talked about that recently. So what am I going to do? I enjoy it, if that helps any. I have uh, listened to a couple of film podcasts on the way to work and decided um, what I'll watch in the future a little bit. I like write it down and stuff. Uh, what TV were they? Shows too. Or what did you decide to watch based on that? Did I decide to watch based on that? I would have to get out my notebook. Oh, don't do that. I can. It's not that serious. I don't know. I have it right What were the podcasts? Do you have to get out your podcast notebook to know the podcast? Uh, They're bitch-ass podcasts. I don't... (laughs) You keep using that word, and I just want to tell you, it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, The Holdovers was one. That's familiar. I've heard of that. Yeah. I can't uh, remember what it's about. It's what's his name? The guy. The guy with the thing. The man. What's it called? Payne. Remember. Alexander Payne? Yes, it is Alexander Payne. Respect. I believe it might have Giamatti in it. One, yes, it does have, have Giamatti. It's got to have Giamatti in it. It That's does have Giamatti in it. Uh, one of the other ones was one I believe you've watched this week, actually. Um, Blackberry. Blackberry. Tell us about Blackberry, because Blackberry. I heard that's good. It Blackberry. sounded good in the re- in the review I heard, even though they shitted on it a little bit, but it sounded well, to me like I would enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Well, recently we've talked a lot about films which we've enjoyed rewatching, like Spotlight or Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, yes. which both loosely fit into the genre of competence porn. My favorite type of porn, aka I characters being super smart porn. or proficient at their jobs, slash just doing their the jobs spectrum. well as I wank at mine while working yeah. from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like seeing people with jobs. That's the best part, seeing people doing jobs. Well, this week I rewatched one celebrated entry in the genre, and I also watched one new entry from this year that you already mentioned, Blackberry. But the other one, the rewatch, was The Big Short. Which Big one Short. Which we hear about first, Big Short. So the rewatch, uh, Adam McKay's The Big Short, the 2015 film about the 2008 global financial I've probably crash, seen this twice, I think, since it's come out. I think I only saw it once. I think I watched it online. I don't think I went to the cinema for this originally. Uh, can I? I w- yeah, go. Can I, can I shout my opinion at you? Shout Can, it, can I do please, that quickly? Uh, from shout. memory, I remember particularly, so the first time all the, you know, Anthony Bourdain and Margot Robbie and all that <laughs> bullshit <laughs> yes. was a bit of a novelty. The second time it was a bit annoying and a bit twee. And I feel like he's rode that into the ground with his uh, more recent um, contributions. But still... I think like the settings they chose, the weird uh, abandoned house estates in Florida, yeah. where, where people live, and particular casting: Steve Carell, Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, and honestly, the blocking and the way they choose to shoot it, it delivers. From what I remember, it delivered on the realism, and I did find it a bit moving in parts. You go. You've basically summed up exactly what I was gonna say. Ah, okay. That's pretty much it. I mean, I remember I liked it well enough the first time it came out, but like the cut to Anthony Bourdain and Margot Robbie, like you mentioned, slightly annoying. Uh, I felt less so this time. 
I mean, it, it, I can see the, I think the novelty of it bothered me more first time round. Whereas this time now, because we've seen the further films that, that came after this, this feels a lot more, it Restrained. feels like, yeah, Adam McKay was actually yeah. being penned in. I think the yeah. financial crash mirrors some way, like what happened to his ego of, <laughs> of it going up and up. And this was the peak. This was the absolute peak where he could get away with his uh, horse shit. And then, you know, Vice, I didn't have a huge problem with. I thought Vice was I just really okay. Like Vice. I actually I thought really it was like fine. Vice. Don't look up. I, I can't it. remember if, yeah, I couldn't remember if you liked it more than me or not, but I absolutely I did like it more than it. you, but yeah. but it was only because, I, if you listen back to the podcast, I came to despise it while we were oh, yeah, uh, that's right. listening to it, <laughs> because I couldn't believe that they were going so obvious, for so yeah. obvious a metaphor. I, I like, the idea to me seemed preposterous. That's how much cre credit I gave those guys. Uh, yeah. The idea that that was their metaphor was, uh, I was like, no, yeah. they're not going for that. And you read out an article to me and oh, yeah. that I completely I turned on the uh, yeah. on the movie because what a bunch of cuntish yeah. bullshit. Anyway, he does seem like a wank stain, but I still remember enjoy uh, enjoying certain scenes in The Big Short a lot. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, obviously things like Anchorman, he's got to get credit for all the comedy stuff that came 100%. Before, but Step Brothers. Yeah, oh my, I mean, come on. But then going into the serious drama roles. Anyway, Big Short holds up. It's still, it's, you know, I think it's probably of the three serious films that he's made, I think this is the most interesting subject matter and they explain it and break it down really mm. well. I think it's quite clear afterwards what they're talking about. So, success. And how's Blackberry? So this is a film from Canadian actor and director Matt Johnson. It's his third feature. Uh, Blackberry is about the rise and fall of the world's first smartphone. Johnson's first film was The Dirties, which I've never seen, but I remember hearing a lot about. It's a Columbine-style found footage film that was quite well received and ended up being released by Kevin Smith's Smodcast pictures. I don't think it made much money. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Have you seen The Dirties? No, I have not. The it idea right. of, I don't know, the idea of a Cashing found footage <laughs> school shooting seems a bit exploitative even for me. It and is. I, watch, I, I, think I watch it might Revenge be. Born like. His second film is also a found... Revenge Born. Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> revenge competence porn. His, his second film is like some kind of semi-real, you don't really know what's going on. I haven't seen it, but it's something to do with like NASA hiding something on the moon or like the moon landings were faked or something like that. All right. I, I, I would, that would not interest me even slightly, but still I've heard Blackberry is really good. Well, uh, Johnson is one of the leads in Blackberry alongside Jay Baruchel, who plays Mike Lazaridis. He's the, the tech whiz who uh, invented the Blackberry phone. And you've got Glenn Howerton, who's playing Dennis <laughs> as Jim Balsillie. The um the Steve Jobs type who successfully marketed the product. Everyone is great in this. R I M or Rim as I would call them. Rim, the I would call it yeah, Rim. Yeah, let's call them Rim. The company who made the the Blackberry, they claim that a lot of what happens in the film is fiction, which is probably just as well because if true, what goes on is you know it's pretty fucking mental, flying by the sea of their pants uh, antics. Overall, I'd say it's a very fun watch, but it's not as insightful as The Social Network. And it's not as funny as Air. And I think these are the two films that it's aiming for to blend together. I gave it three and a half stars, which now I'm thinking might have been harsh. Maybe I should go to four. But I gave The Big Short four. So I can't be giving four stars out to Blackberry. It's not as good as The Big Short. Four seems right for The Big Short. Um, and if it's not as good as that, then that's the way you got to go. It's just a notch below. I enjoyed watching it. I, f I found it like it's but interesting. I, uh, but it's, I think you're wrong funny. with uh, putting this in with competence porn. I think this is not. I think it's hubris porn. Maybe. But that's the, what, because but that's what the social network is. I, I But a lot of the characters are extremely competent, though. Yes, I agree with with you there. But I mean... If we're gonna use the 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 it as a porn subcategory, it's all about the outcome, isn't it? It's all about how the jizz gets sprayed, and um, uh, I don't know if I agree with that. No, like no. I wouldn't call Social Network a competence porn. What about would... the killer? Hmm. Because um, he fucks things up. Yes, doesn't follow his rules, but he's still extremely competent. But that's a, I would say that's 
just com- that's a completely different genre. That's a yeah, but there's a, that. I mean, a, okay, a gun but, thriller. But I don't think this is a real genre anyway. I think it's other things are being. I I don't think this is a real genre. I think uh, it's I don't just. Know. I think it's just taking. You know, it it's more some aspect of films that are uh, from other genres. Maybe. Anything, anything could be competence porn if the characters are good at their jobs. No, but I think I think the difference is, okay, so with something like The Killer, the stakes are high. There's guns and killings and stuff involved. So I think, for example, okay, the I need to come up with a... Uh, All the President's Men, that's a good example. All the Because I haven't mentioned it before. I was going to say Spotlight again, like I've said it for about <laughs> the last three weeks. But uh, damn it, it's still journalists, but fuck it, whatever. All the President's Men, or even, have you seen the movie Locke with Tom Hardy? No. Ah, well, that puts a stopper in that. I mean, uh, but he, su- me... he successfully drives a car. He drives a car from either Manchester to London or London to London Manchester to like be there f- an hour for, and the, birth, for the birth of... No, 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 because he doesn't arrive there. It's just he's on the journey making phone calls to be there for the birth of his child in an affair out of wedlock at the same time orchestrating a concrete pour on his phone. Sounds nuts, but, and I've heard people really, really turn against this movie, but I really enjoy it. And the thing is, it's the competence born because you and me have no idea how an assassin should act, for example. But when you're watching something like Spotlight or Locke, you're going, ah, I have no idea how journalists are supposed to do what they do. Ah, that's how they do what they do. And the same thing with Locke, I suppose. And it's not concrete pouring that you're learning about in Locke. It's people management. He does very good management on the phone. I think that's what the competent... And definitely the one I watched a week before last, Dark Waters, falls into that. That's what I think competence porn is. Well, I want to watch a film about pouring concrete. You should watch Locke. But it's I don't good. want I don't want people talking about pouring concrete. I want to watch uh, concrete go down. You don't want to watch the concrete. It's all talk. Give me no. all the action. I want all concrete. Fair. So that's it. I watched that. I I think you should watch. You Black recommend Bear. it? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely worth watching. It's it's fun. It's fun. I think it's slightly overrated though. It's been very highly rated. Yeah, and I don't think that's accurate. But it's definitely worth watching. It's fun. It's engaging. Give me one word for your opinion of the double. Eisenberg. Ah, uh, you coward. No, no, I mean, uh, okay. Here, all right, one. do you want my, okay, one word, meh. Ah, uh, that's exactly the word, yeah. I mean, I, we're not we're not very articulate leading with that particular word, but still, I would agree with you. It's a pity. I think, um, I don't know, I'm, that might be too harsh for me because I did like the film, but if there's more to it, if there's something, like, I'd, there's not enough to this film. I don't care enough about the film to dig further for any deeper meanings or anything. Oh, there you know you what go. I mean? Like, I don't I had to, I, I care had to, enough. I had to think and pretend like I cared to come up with a thesis for it, uh, to what it's I, actually I, I about. I couldn't be bothered. I just couldn't. I just thought, it's fine, but I don't. it's not a film where I'm going to go and Google and see, like, what does it mean? But tell well, me for, your thesis. There's nothing. Like, Okay, good. There, there's nothing. And my thesis is, uh, it's fairly, it's skin deep. I mean, it's like, for me, the film is a bit of a failure. And it's it's one just about made interesting by an interesting supporting cast, for example. Some jokes that land and the fact that Richard Ayoade is clearly a very competent filmmaker. His casting and his cinematography and his use of music are all great and effective the way I'm sure he intended them to be. The problem for me is a little twofold. Firstly, this is an adaptation that seems to seek to emulate the experience of reading a novel, which works fine when you're adapting an airport thriller into a miniseries, but less so when you're trying to make a psychological, philosophical novella into a film. The best adaptations of Dostoevsky that I've seen are the likes of, let's see... yeah, Crime and Punishment? The, Was there cri- Crime and Punishment? Well, no, the, well, I mean, I'm sure there is, but I ain't fucking seen it because I don't think it could do it justice. But the Woody Allen movies, Crimes and Misdemeanors and Matchpoint, uh, which are more meditations on the themes and outcomes of crime and punishment than straight up adaptations. They're great. And the reason I think he opted to do this particular movie was I think he's a fan of the work, but knew like, I'm talking about Woody Allen now. He knew it was like just too fucking dense and Russian to make a good film out of. So he adapted. 
And Ayuari goes halfway to adapting it by like, I don't know, he updates it with like language choice and certain gags. But ultimately, the film takes place in an abstract space. Like it's not like crimes and misdemeanors or match point, which take place in the real world. This this brings me to the second big flaw, which is pretty joined with the first. He seems to think he's making Brazil, but he's actually doing Bunny <laughs> that, and the... I wrote exactly the same thing. I wrote, that's the tone of this film. But he's doing Bunny and the Bull. Like, well, that would, that's not a surprise because those are his people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the, But it's like the sets look cheap on purpose. It's so stage bound. It could be a Doctor Who episode. I'm not going to engage too heavily in the this is the kind of film he should have made. But give us one daytime exterior shot. For example, you <laughs> it's, know a what dar- mean? it's a dark place. This is, I mean, this is like whatever Soviet Terry Gilliam world that he's created. Everything is analog. Yeah, everything is like dark. And Enemy is an example of this kind of thing done better. Um, and it was released the same year, too, actually. And I get that these are choices he made, but for me, they're bad ones. The greatest leap fucking ever in cinema calcified the form. It's when George Lucas presented a science fiction world where life was happening before the story would uh, before the story and would continue afterwards. It was like a lived in world. Books can work without this because they involved an act of the imagination by the viewer. But films, for me anyway, the way I like, they need something a little bit more. What I liked about this film. What I didn't like about this film. Ah, fuck off. I was being very intellectual there. and Why why didn't Richard Ayadi make Star Wars? That's my question. Why didn't he make Star Wars 2? Do you get the point I was making with the Star Wars thing? Yeah, he should have made a good film. (laughs) He should have made a fun film. He could have done this with the lived-in world. Okay, what, what are the main problems? I think like... I'm, uh, the one thing I thought this had going for it that you would like is it doesn't take itself too seriously, I think. I think it skewers, like, I think because he comes from a comedy background, I think he doesn't, it's not as fucking po-faced as it could be. I think, I think, uh, I think generally the jokes work. I laughed a few times, but probably because I was a bit bored, so I was looking for the laughs, to be honest. It's not that funny, but it's definitely... You can recognize the person who contributed to Gareth Marenghi and, uh, you know, yeah, IT crowd. I mean, like, I imagine the book is is po-faced. Like, I know you haven't read any Dostoevsky because you're it. Have you? I read Crime and Punishment, I think, at school. Yeah, I had to. Ah, They made me. That's one of my favorite books ever. I like genuinely because I only read it a couple of years ago. And it was on my shelf for fucking years because I, I was afraid to read it because if I didn't get it, uh, uh, it was it meant I was a dumbass. But then I read it and I was like, this is like a fucking philosophical airport thriller. It's great. I read that of this book, loads of people think it's not one of his best works. But it's a short story, isn't it? No, it's a novella. I um, always thought that was the same thing. Isn't that like well, a the, short novel? Yeah, pretty much like under 150 pages. The real buzz of his books for me is how fucking clever they make you feel. They kind of they have a debate in front of you and come to a thesis and make you feel like you figured it out. They're like complicated philosophy books, but they do the thinking for you um, because he seems to get as a rule that humans never understand stories on more than a guttural level. I mean, that said, your man, the Lolita guy. Uh, Vladimir Nabokov. He said that this is his. He loves this fucking one. Yeah, he loves um, other things too, though. Probably. Yes. Yeah, exactly. um, we should be. But trusting his books are all. Uh, to be fair, I've read two of his books, and both of them. I mean, I did enjoy reading them, but at the same time, the buzz of reading them was like me wondering the whole time, why the fuck did somebody write this? Like the Wasp Factory. Did you ever read the Wasp Factory? <laughs> I actually read that for school as well. I'm not kidding. I remember writing an essay about that. For secondary school, you read yeah. the Wasp Factory. I chose it. I chose that. I did one oh, of okay. my. I did one of my English like. It's a great book. It's I was one of my 16. favorite books ever. To be it honest, really uh, every time I, any time I put a spoon into a yogurt, I do imagine that I'm putting a spoon into uh, into a brain covered in maggots. 
That is one of the. It's one of the worst images. It's I've probably ever, the ever. most horrifying thing I've ever yeah, read in yeah, a book. Yeah, actually, yeah. It's probably... check out the Wasp Factory and the yeah. section in which a mentally what are we going to call him? No, Handi- his... handicapped man. He's he has like a metal plate on his head, and mm. at some point, some baby. flies. It's a baby, isn't it? It's not even. Mm. It's a kid. Some flies get in underneath the metal plate and lay eggs on his brain. And then the kid, the the one of the characters lifts the metal plate off, and he sees like maggots eating the kid's brain, and the kid is just like smiling vacantly. You're welcome. It's that's Scottish man. That's 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 from Scotland, made in Scotland. That image. I've read a lot of his books. I really like his books. Ian Banks, friend of yeah, the show, yeah. big friend indeed. of the show, big Shout friend out. of the show, indeed. Richard Ayawadi, enemy of the show, indeed. I haven't seen Submarine, but you love it, and that's good enough for me, I suppose. It's I, uh, good. Well, that's the reason I chose the double was because I'm a big fan of Submarine. I actually rewatched about two thirds of Submarine this week. I didn't get finished. I'm glad to say that it holds up. It's got the energy of a French New Wave film, but again, similarly, and framing of like a Wes Anderson film, but without being as po faced. Um, I think it's worth watching Submarine. I enjoyed it. The two thirds of it. I, I, I will watch again. it. I will watch it. I've seen uh, Ayuari in the likes of Gareth Marenghi, Mighty Boosh, the IT crowd, and The Souvenir, and I'd say he's a very talented actor. Oh, he's Extremely. in Souvenir Part 2, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Extremely talented comic, comedy actor. He, he's got a kind of unique charisma that just doesn't seem to get boring. Uh, I also think if you look at his top 10 from the 2012 Sight and Sound poll, he clearly loves cinema. Shall I read them out to you? Please. American Pie. So... In alphabetical order is the way he... Uh, no, 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 it's not. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. So this is from 10 to 1. Hmm. Some have been covered by the podcast already. Hmm. The Apartment, number 10. Seen it. Badlands, number 9. Seen it. Uh, Barry Lyndon. Oh, seen it. Oh, called it Crimes and Misdemeanors. Mm, I don't think I've seen that. It's very good. Make Way for Tomorrow. No oh, idea. No. Don't know what that is. Contempt. John Luc Godard, Bridget oh, okay. Bardot's bum, Orday or Ordet, don't know. Persona, no of mm. it, haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Raging Bull and a big n- another shout out for the podcast. It's Tokyo Story. Ah, oh. well, I don't know. Seen... Why is why is it no Ghostbusters twenty sixteen? Do you know? I guess because that came later. That's why. That's why it's not on there. Maybe, but also, I mean, he is such a funny comedy actor, and you know, he seems like a very nice guy. He stood up. Publicly against his wanker brother-in-law, um, and for actually, and I, I don't give a fuck about this, and for his longtime friend Graham Linehan, who's who's gone mad in public in the last two or three years. Let's be. He stood up for Graham Linehan. Well, he 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 gave him a blurb quote for his book that got released this year, and he he took some stick for that, and he was like, "He's a longtime friend of mine, and I wouldn't have worked with him for so many years if I didn't value his input," because he was chastised about it. I told you and I when, ran into I told you I ran into him in a Tyler once, like Graham Lennon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's massive. When? Yeah, he's years a big ago unit. here at the festival, he's he's. I just he came out of like a toilet stall and I he was towering over me. I was terrified. I feel bad for him. Like yeah, he's fucked it. He he has, and the thing is, I don't mind saying this on our uh, however many downloads we get a week podcast. Like I agree with a lot of what he has to say, but I'm just like. Man, like, did you have to let it swallow <laughs> your life such? Like, he's divorced and everything. Um, yeah. Now he's he's lost touch with his family. So Ayuadi gave the blurb for that, and that's what he mentioned. Uh, he didn't exactly say that. The quote is more so something like, well, like, he's my friend for many years, and, you know, he asked for the blurb, what am I going to do? Um, <laughs> I hope that's in the blurb. <laughs> no, but I don't think he said, what am I going to do? I think he, like, he was more complimentary than that. Yeah, and uh, when asked why he hasn't returned to directing, he says that it's like working on an oil rig and he wants to spend more time with his family, which includes oh, okay. three kids, the oldest of whom would be a teenager at time of recording. So I say fair play. And he's continued to act, so he, he you know, he's able to provide. And he's, I love it when I hear anybody who takes advantage of the wealth that showbiz offers to live their life normally as comfortably as possible. Like, I have to work my job every day, and I like my job, but if I were able to get gigs from time to time that allowed me to enjoy my family more and enjoy my podcast more, <laughs> Andy, 
that's what I would fucking do. And I yeah. like whenever I whenever I hear of people like that who who is just like, nah, I'll I'll take the gigs because yeah, directing a movie clearly is work, and it's clearly his passion as well. But he's a family man, and I like still that. it's it's mad that he hasn't made a film in ten years, or that he's just quit basically. Well, as I said, his oldest kid would be thirteen years old now. He's been working steadily since then. He he does comedy and panel shows all the time. I'm sure when he wants his chance again, he'll be able to take it. I just assumed that after he made the double, like it didn't do very well, and then he was struggling to get anything else. That was my assumption. Was that he'd like blown his shot? No, that's not what he says anyway. But <laughs> I, I I actually don't have the. Let me have a look at how the double did. It made two point three million dollars, which sounds. But like... it's a small film. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's like a film for. That's it's not. It looks, but... It's not a big deal. I hope he does go back because, like I said, he's clearly competent yeah, he's and talented. passionate. And while the film didn't really work for me, I think it does exactly what he wanted it to do, and he probably well. Jesse Eisenberg's. It's just not for me. It's notable that he says uh, the film that got him into filmmaking is a. Uh, Zazie dans la metro. Uh, so he's clearly into surreal film in a way I'm more often than not not into. Though I do like Zazie dans la metro, but I didn't like this that much. I was on board for something surreal, but it was just, like I said at the start of this, I didn't care enough to dig deeper into any other meanings. Mm. And that's the failure overall of the film. I enjoyed it well enough, and I liked the two Jesse Eisenbergs interacting. I, I thought that was well done, and it, it shows where old JCVD uh, yeah, possibly could take some notes. Eisenberg is uh, was one of my big... I didn't I didn't have much time for uh, Eisenberg in the movie. We'll get to that. Uh, should we do the plot? Go. Okay, so we meet Simon James, who's a bit of an Albert Brooks, I think it's fair to, to say. <laughs> that's that's going to be a weekly thing now. There's, there's yeah. always an Albert... He is an Albert Brooks, and I agree. All the movies we watch contain... <laughs> who's Brooks, playing Albert it. Brooks? <laughs> he's he's got Albert Brooks... I mean, he's Albert Brooks, obviously. He has in the Submarine, <laughs> In Submarine, it's uh, the main character played by Craig Roberts. He's oh, playing the Albert Brooks He's an Albert Brooks. Yeah, he's an Albert Brooks. Yes. He is, yeah. I think all of his projects will have that character because he's Albert Brooks in the IT crowd. Same. I mean, he is one half, the autistic half of an Albert Brooks. <laughs> yeah. And the, and and the, the, Chris, the, the more yeah. chaotic id yeah. is Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. Chris O'Dowd, exactly. So yeah, he works at something Kafkaesque and is in love with his neighbor and co-worker Hannah, who's a bit... Uh, of a manic pixie dream girl, but yes. not the full 100% because she's also a fucking bitch, uh, which makes me sound like a bit of an incel of the way <laughs> it I does. Fucking but bitch. I, I, I know what you're saying. I do. Uh, yeah, you're right. I agree. Uh, I Actually, I think it's fair to say that everyone in this film is a bit of a cunt. Yes. It's one of those. So he sees her making art and ripping it up and tossing it, and he collects it and admires it. Isn't he sweet? He's sweet. He's a nice fellow. Albert Brooks. Yeah, go. Very Albert Brooks twee here. Anyway, then he sees some guy commit suicide from her window, waving at him beforehand, and gives a statement to the police in a scene right out of the mighty bush, but funny. Uh, (laughs) But but, by which I don't mean to say I dislike the mighty bush, but that it's jarring but gets away with it because it is a little bit funny. That's That's fair. Uh, that scene made me laugh. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, yeah, it, it seems like a lot of British comedies. It is the bouche. Um, yeah, fair. James, his doppelganger, starts at the office. Uh, he's better at everything and everyone wants to fuck him, but doesn't notice he's the same guy. <laughs> Literally um, the same guy. Uh, James notices and uh, opts to help Simon. Uh, he's doing a parent trap for him while on a date with Hannah, who he subsequently plows and he plows uh, Melanie to the boss's daughter nice uh, anyway Simon rats out James who gets a noise and blackmails him with photo of him plowing Melanie knowing that the boss will blame James James is the Albert Brooks uh, version of Simon uh, oh, no, no wait the, no, uh, no James is a, James is the cool version who, who would you use he no 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 James is, yeah, so Simon, Simon is, is Albert Brooks. Simon is Albert Brooks. And James and knowing, is... So knowing uh, that the boss will, bra- will blame Albert Brooks when he sees photos of James plowing his daughter. But wait, anyway. James, is, James is, what's his name? He's the other guy, uh, William Hurt. 
Simon is yeah, Albert exactly. Brooks and James is William Hurt. Exactly. In the exactly. Let's just go by the broadcast, by the broadcast news broadcast definitions. News. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Holly Hunter is a bunch of yeah. women. <laughs> <It's> every <laughs> every woman in the movie, yeah, including the wife from Raging Hunter. Bull, is yeah. actually Holly Hunter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, then uh, let me see. Can I get this right? Albert Brooks then throws a wobbly <laughs> in work and gets fired and is about to kill himself when he sees uh, Hannah on the floor of her apartment passed out. So he takes her to the hospital where they find out she was pregnant by William yeah, What Hurt. the fuck? Like, that's... Yeah. What's that all about? That's unnecessary. What's going it on is there? unnecessary, but has miscarried. She wanted to kill herself and suggests that Albert Brooks does just that, which is nice of her to suggest in that moment. Anyway... Um, Albert Brooks attends his mother's funeral and he punches William Hurt right in the face <laughs> and he notices that they both bleed like Fight Club. Oh, Notice, note to self, Fight Club must be directly inspired by the double. Not the movie. <laughs> the, you think the, so? The, no, the novella or so? the double or Richard Ayoade's adaptation of the Dostoevsky novel is taking a lot from Fight Club. And uh, but they don't it. do the. I was thinking that too. But they, everyone is interacting with the two characters, though. Is it like an ad? Is it like a Tyler Durden situation? It seems like that play that way at times, but then at other times it seems like they are two clearly defined characters, like two real people who exist. Yeah, I know. I know I how they. I know in Fight Club, obviously, they deal with it. Like sometimes it was me, or sometimes I was watching. I have a my slight thesis. Spoiler for the end of the movie, for oh. the end of the, the review. I'll give it to you out. right now. Please. No, no, no. I'll just finish off the, the reading then. of the, yeah, tell, the, the plot, right. actually. So anyway, once he notices that it's Tyler Durden rules, he ties up James and uses the info he got from a cop earlier year uh, to land slightly to the right to almost kill himself, but not quite. And Hannah and the colonel, who's Richard Ayoade's father-in-law, ride in the ambo with him as Simon slowly dies on the floor. The end. And now what I think... I mentioned Bunny and the Bull earlier. Do you remember near the end of Bunny and the Bull, the bullshit 2D animated style is explained by the fact that the guy was just in his house. And, Yeah, going mad. Yeah. I think there's something of that here. I think so. Obviously, they're going for a bit of a loop from the start of the movie to the end where the suicide guy waves to him. Mm. So I think he is the film is him en route from the ledge to the ground not even in a physical sense almost in a metaphorical sense Ah, it's like him examining two ways he could have lived his life and kind of reining in his dickhead self to just kind of get along with things i think that's kind of what it is i don't i i don't think it's very good i think I, i while i think that's a good message i don't think this is a very good film i gave it two stars on letterbox spoilers uh, for my letterbox account. I went but way yeah. too high. I should have gone for three. I put three and a half. I put it the same as Blackberry. I need to take it down to a three. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to take it down to a three. Yeah, it was a solid two for me. Yeah, I liked it a bit more than you, but... Shall I talk cast? Yeah. Go on, tell me anything about any of these creeps. Slash it's an interesting piece. casting situation, as you know well. So Jesse Eisenberg, or as I like to call him, school shooter Michael Cera, is the <laughs> is the lead here. And honestly, I used to find him a much more interesting actor than I do now. Not just because of this film. This has been ongoing. Colin Firth beat him for the Oscar, and that annoyed me at the time. And I do think he's good in The Social Network. But as time has progressed, he's revealed himself to be sort of a one-trick pony who is good at choosing projects. I don't think he's well cast here, and I think he may have got the part because maybe Richard Ayoade got the feeling that he sometimes read bu- reads books. I think he feels like Jesse Eisenberg might read books. I think everybody yeah. feels that, but I don't think he's actually a very good actor. So who would you who would you have cast instead if you could choose? honestly Michael Cera would have been a better version Michael Cera is definitely yeah you're you're right that uh, Jesse Eisenberg you ever see, does have school, school shooter energy compared to Sarah. Do you ever see uh, Youth in Revolt Yeah Sarah I don't like film? that did not care for that where he plays I, like I don't mind that that's the one where he plays like a little like a version of himself that's sort of there's an Albert French. Brooks yeah 
Yeah, there's a there's an Albert Brooks, but he does the I don't know. I I I, I like that film well enough. I think it's he, Michael Sarah is definitely funnier. Funny enough, but I don't know he's the lighter. two sides of the he's, same he's coin light, thing. Lighter tone. Yeah, I don't know if Michael Sarah could play the other side that well. I mean, he does the whole like. This is the end. Having an orgy, playing a dickhead version of himself, but I can't see him playing like the cool. No, that's not fair. Actually, I've seen him play cool guy in a few things, Molly's Game and stuff like that. Who's he in Molly's Game again? He is playing Toby Maguire. He's he's Player X or whatever he's called, the poker player. Oh, Michael Cera, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking yeah, about yeah, Isaac. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about Sarah. Yeah, no. And Michael Cera is really good in that. They both have. Similar career trajectories. They they got locked into the same sort of part and now have extremely private family lives because they've probably made enough money and but Jesse don't Eisenberg like had that the same series again and again and again. Jesse Eisenberg has that series. Uh, Fleischman is in trouble. That's supposed to be good. It is supposed to be very good. I'm in no way interested in watching it. Though. <laughs> yeah, no. If you don't, like I read the, guy, the plot synopsis. It no, no, no. Um, just doesn't sound like a very interesting show. Quite honestly, fair. Anyway, yeah, so there's nothing really interesting about Eisenberg or his co-star, Mia uh, Wasikowski, who is unusually uh, poor in this. Uh, but in her defense, the script really doesn't give her much. No, no. What but is she locally, good in, though? I don't, I'm not uh, really familiar for her. In my mind, she's like Alice in Wonderland and stuff. Uh, Stoker. I mm. like her a lot in, in that. Jeez, I can't think off the top of my head now. Hold on. But they're they're she's definitely good in things hold on yeah okay here we go uh she's good in uh the kids are all right oh yeah i forgot she's in that jane Eyre. she's very good in that only lovers left alive love her in that uh maps to the stars crimson peak yeah it's fair to say i generally like her not so much in this but as i said yeah she doesn't really have much to work with here but luckily, uh, Ayoade seems to have consciously populated the entire back canvas with interesting <laughs> faces. Far too many people, people to mention here. There's fucking a million people. He must make a fucking great impression at parties. Well, but some of these people are just like British comedy and people he's worked with, like Chris Morris, Chris O'Dowd, Tim but some Key, of them, Craig Roberts, so, Paddy Considine. So the thing is... Even when they have no juicy gossip about them, I think it's worth note- noting how much more the supporting cast do for the picture than the two, like, Hollywood Please. types at the center. So Wallace Shawn shows up, perfectly cast, and nothing much to say about him, save everyone should watch My Dinner with Andre and Toy Story, if they haven't <laughs> already, uh, and The Princess Bride, of course. Noah Taylor is in there. Great actor with a weird face, but not so weird as that of his Wikipedia profile. We talked about him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And everyone should watch that film, the Noah Taylor film that we talked about. uh, Oh, The Year My Voice Broke. Fantastic. We loved it. You will too. It's it's a really, really great film and he's great in it. And so is uh, young Ben Mendelsohn. I Mm. saw somebody sent me some Australian comedy podcast or maybe an American comedy podcast. I don't know what it was, but somebody doing a really good impression of Ben Mendelsohn in every movie, just this um, <laughs> threatening presence. It's like, uh, you're right. what are you doing there, Andy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. You're not going to talk to the cops on us, are you, Andy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, James Fox is in there, the director's father-in-law, no less. He took a sabbatical from play, from acting to find himself after starring in performance, a movie whose themes include the fluidity of the self between him and Mick Jagger in drag. Mick Jagger. Um, basically, yeah, he did a movie about I remember separation. him. In, I remember him in Sexy Beast because he's in the... He, Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's he's in the, like, um, swingers club. And he's, he goes, he says to, um, he says to Lovejoy, like, um, he, uh, he's sitting behind him and then Lovejoy turns around and goes... What are you looking at? And he goes, the back of your head. And then Lovejoy goes, well, look at the back of your own fucking head. And then he goes, men or women? <laughs> Is that that <laughs> he guy? Goes, he goes, oh, definitely. And then you just hear the, and then Lovejoy is getting pounded. It's a big sweat fest. Respect, <laughs> respect to James Fox. Indeed. Much like her character, Vicky LaMotta from Raging Bull, mad casting here. Kathy Moriarty was headhunted as a teenager, though in real life, uh, by Joe Pesci, who saw her when he was in attendance of a teenage bathing suit beauty competition in a bar, which Moriarty won. And uh, she also owns a pizza chain. 
I did not recognize her at all. I didn't know she's in Raging Bull. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, Vicky Lamara, the Respect. waitress from this, okay. and uh, Jake Lamara's wife in that. Um, Sally Hawkins is dyslexic, has lupus, and is, surprise, surprise, unmarried. That's rough. Yeah, that was mean of me. Uh, I'm sure she's a happy lady, and a, she is a great actress. I thought it was funny. It would have been nice if you laughed. But no, I just I feel, I feel bad for old Sally Hawkins. But uh, she's going to be in Wonka, so she's got that going for her. Well, then after that, there's Paddy Considine, Noel Edmonds, Chris O'Dowd, Chris Morris, Saul Williams, and Jay Mascus. Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Jr. What the fuck? Oh, yeah, he was on stage with Jay Mascus about a month ago. He was playing guitar. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's apparently Jay... a huge uh, Dinosaur Jr. fan. Dinosaur Jr. are a, one of those... They're one of the few bands that I've been introduced to live. Like mm-hmm. I saw them at Primavera Sound before I'd heard any, and I, I'm a big fan now, but mm-hmm. I don't know how I've seen them live three times now. Mm. Um, have you ever seen them live? No. They're a great bunch to see, see live, mm-hmm. like grunge, but kind of the lightness of, of punk about them as well. Real fun. They're, you, you know who they really remind me of uh, to see live is a uh, Yolo Tengo. Okay. Yeah. They're very, but that's the thing. They're such distinct types of music, not such distinct, but relatively distinct types of music to listen to on Spotify. But to see them live, they have a very similar approach. And Mascus shows up. Saul Williams is there. It's just, it's just mental how many people uh, got rounded up for this movie. It's and just, how... he brought his mates in. He's, he's mates, his famous friends. Exa- what, exactly. This people is he what likes. I, this is what I meant when I said. Yeah. He must make quite an impression. Right, you're right. At parties. I agree. Agreed. Uh, anyway, yeah, it wasn't much for me, but I've seen it now. So there we go. Done. The end. Indeed. Well, thank thank God we can get on to the one of the greatest uh, films I've ever seen. If I might be so bold. Oh, don't say you like this more. That's insane. I did. I preferred it. That's mental. That's mental. No, illness. but I have a case to make for this. Obviously, quote me on this. What I'm about to say. Obviously, Double Impact is a terrible movie. Good. Right. So there you go. But I don't know the more than any other time we've quoted this fucking cliche. They do not make movies like this anymore. This is a movie, an 18 plus movie made for 10 year olds. I like yeah yeah. First time I I I realized five minutes into it's for children. I I realized like very early on I'd seen it before when I was about ten. This is a child's movie. They've got down to the obligatory weird shot of the lady's breasts that don't really need to be in the movie. Which that that scene as well. I realized when it came on, I'd watched that scene like about a hundred times. Yeah, you'd worn videotapes into dust, uh, rewinding on that. I knew exactly, but every single mannerism, I was like, I know what he's going to do next. He's going to pick up the bottle of whiskey. He's going to die, and he's going to hit the wall. There's going to be like a clothesline with like a shirt blowing in the wind. But I'll tell you what, all of the garbage that made me laugh in it and. There's, there's a lot. Of, yeah. There's a lot of garbage in there that makes me laugh. The action scenes are relatively competently directed. The fight Van Dam versus Van Dam is way better than it has any right to be in 1991. And, sure, but this is the thing. You said it. You just said the the, the magic of my entire positive review. It's 1991. We don't see people making action movies like this anymore, and people can make everything look as slick as they want with CGI. But at the same time, people actually doing the stunts and the action actually being shot does mean something for the quality of the film, for the enjoyment of the film. And I enjoyed this. I did enjoy this. I didn't expect to. I expected it to be a chore. I sat down. I had a pen and paper ready. There's no notes to take during this. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, so start many notes. Oh, you have notes. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. We'll get to those later, but they're nah, just fun stuff. I did. What was I your did, What was your relationship with Van Damme films? Because I, I mean, for me, when I was a kid, our typical weekend would be like a bunch of friends. We'd go to the local blockbuster and rent some martial arts film or two, and then that would be like a Saturday night. We'd be like playing like a Mega Drive or something, and then we'd watch like you know Hard Target or Time Cop or Bloodsport or. 
Well, you know? you've named almost all of mine. The only one you didn't name would be a Universal Soldier. That's a classic. Which I was quite into too. But the other three you named, those that sums up my entire relationship with Van Damme, those four Fair. films. All of which I, I don't think... Pro- well, I don't know. I haven't watched them in so many years. I was about to say I'd that. Say. I was about to say that they're probably not as bad as Double Impact, but they probably are. But at the same time, Hard they're probably. Target is John Woo. In fairness, I think that one was all right. Time Cop is. I remember oh, Street the last... Fighter. I forgot about Street Fighter. Oh yeah, yeah. The last time I watched Time Cop, I mean, it's very silly, and obviously, like some of the lines, some of the script is is you know terrible. But it's still pretty fun. I mean, there's all there's so much there's you know there's a lot of fun ideas going on in it. I remember um, with Time Cop, uh, myself and my friend Rory Power, his older brother was turning whatever age, and all of his friends were going to sneak, uh, were going to stay over late at the house, and they were renting Time Cop. That was Respect. the thing. And me and Rory were also staying in the house that night, and we were like, "It is our mission." <laughs> we need to watch Time Cop. And uh, we didn't get it done. I didn't watch Time Cop till a few years later. Oh, and man. we were both, we, uh, we didn't watch it together. Uh, I think I watched it like I rented it myself separately. But I remember thinking, probably age 13, 14, totally worth the wait. Very fun. <laughs> it is very fun. Time Cop is very fun. If it I was is. to pick a favorite of his movies, it would probably be uh, Bloodsport, though. Bloodsport is his big breakthrough. That was the one that that really got him going. Uh, after that, he was making like a couple of films a year. Like in between Bloodsport and Double Impact, he made things like Cyborg, Kickboxer, Absent Without Leave. That's how I learned of what AWOL means. Uh, I've actually seen that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of his films, there's a, he's got at least a couple of films where he's a soldier that like run runs away from his duties. Uh, so fair play. Good on that. Double Impact was written and directed by Vietnam vet Sheldon Lettich, who yeah, wrote Bloodsport. Beforehand. He also wrote and directed Lionheart star- starring Van Damme. I'm not familiar with that at all. I assume all right. it's about in, in it Jean-Claude Van Damme is the king of England, I'm guessing. Lettich's first screenwriting like credit... Utopia. Letich's first screenwriting credit was for Ruskies in 1987, starring a young man called Leaf Phoenix, a.k.a. Napoleon. Whacking! Oh, yeah, yeah before yeah, he changed yeah. his name. Before he changed his name, he was old Leaf. Double Impact was partially inspired by Cronenberg's Dead Ringers after Van Damme saw two Jeremy Ironses and said, Je peux faire ça. And it's, it's also inspired by the Corsican Brothers by Alexander Dumas. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Dumbass. Dumbass. What's that, Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, that's Shaw, Shaw Wank. Anyway, tell me more about the adventures of Alex and Chad. In 1966, business partners Paul Wagner and Ozzy and Nigel Griffith, a big evil Brit, opened the Victoria Harbour Tunnel. The Victoria Harbour Victoria. Tunnel. Victoria. This is hard. I, listen, I don't This is Victoria's Harbour Tunnel. <laughs> Victoria Harbour um, Tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't he's know a words. Great, he's, he's a great evil Brit bastard, isn't he? Nom, 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 nom. He's yeah, uh, yeah, he's a bit of a fat baddie. I don't know how fat he is, but he's got fat baddie energy. Alan Scarf, the actor, is. I don't really know him from anything. He seems like a proper actor or actor just from going through his uh, his bio. I bet he shows up in a movie with Jackie Chan at some point. Quite possibly. In he's, in, he's, in, uh, he's in Lethal Weapon 3, apparently. But anyway. For some unknown reason, Paul has a bodyguard, Frank, played by Jeffrey Lewis, who likes to sit stationary in his car while turning the steering wheel and projecting the streets of Hong Kong behind his head. <laughs> That's maybe a bit harsh. It's 1991, <laughs> to be fair. I don't know how much this... Well, this cost $15 million, but... To be fair, they did go to Hong Kong, and that was probably, as I like to say every week, from any film that's like 30 years old or older, they actually went to the place, and it is interesting to see Hong Kong in 1991. It's interesting to see any place at any time. Like, locations are better. Agreed. If they had fucking shot the double in Moldova, exteriors in Moldova, it would have been better. Look at, uh, what was that? The Cronenberg film we watched. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Crimes of the Future. You got to see the outside of the world, and that contributed so much more. Oh, Greece. Yeah, I guess. Streets of Athens. Mm. Streets of Athens, Rye. Paul has a <laughs> wife. 
<laughs> the wife probably has a name, but she'll be dead soon. So let's not get bogged down by things like naming your characters. She has a name, I'm sure, but I don't care. Paul and his wife also have two identical twin babies called Chad and Alex. After the opening ceremony of the tunnel, the family are driving home only to notice that they are being followed by triads, gangsters. Paul and his Prepared wife... guys who uh, bought the same car as the bodyguard. Mmm, that's a nice car. A little sports car. It's very classy. Paul and his wife are both killed when the squibs they are wearing explode and they get red on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a bit harsh, but like you can see the plastic of the squib. Oh, can you? Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, this is a problem. I don't think these films were meant to be seen at even like 1080p. No, certainly not. It's far too high. It's far too clear. I watched this they on VHS the first time. They weren't meant to be analyzed, I'm pretty sure. No, definitely not. But you could see they're wearing like plastic tomato ketchup packs on them. $15 is there million. Any, dollars. Is there any of the violence in the movie you did enjoy? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. The two main baddies turn out to be Griffith, obviously the Brit, and Zhang, a triad boss. Cocksucker, I hate Zhang so much. Yeah. Frank arrives at the scene, and after some exquisite gunplay, Frank escapes with Chad, who he then raises in France for some reason, and uh, Alex is taken by the family's maid and dropped off at a French convent. So that's, well, I guess that's... To explain that the sense. accents. Well, it does. Uh, that might explain why both brothers sound suspiciously like they were raised in the French part of Belgium, I guess. I do, I, do you not think, yeah, I guess you, you don't have any option with, with Van Damme. You just have to be like, oh, he's, the, the, these kids are French, sort of. Yeah, this is a movie vehicle for Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> we can't get a, past the accent, in, in fairness. And a great one at that, I would okay, say. Okay, okay. Jump to 25 years later, Chad is working with Frank in LA. They own a martial arts dojo slash dance studio. By the way, talk about five minutes of a movie where you're like, I'd rather watch this movie. What, the one where Jean-Claude Van Damme is like, Doing, uh, is like a uh, Warren Beatty from Shampoo, but uh, he's like doing the sports and stuff. Yeah, 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 and he's just making all the women hot. And women and are all going the, like, ooh, and all the all the dudes hate him. Yeah, uh, I'd watch that movie all day. That sounds total fun. Well, that would be fine if the film was just following Chad, but we need to go and check on Alex. Alex is a tough gangster back in Hong Kong, and we know he's, he's the tough one. Hair. Yeah, that's that's how we know he's a tough one because his hair is slicked back, and also he wears dark clothes like a badass. He also on the other drinks hand, a iced tea out of a Johnny Walker red bottle. Yeah, why well, he like that uh, iced tea? Oh, <laughs> but it's his favorite. It's his favorite whiskey bottle to keep his iced tea in, so it's fine. This On the true. other hand, Chad wears bright pinks and yellows and is referred to a couple of times by a quite a nasty word by his his twin brother says a nasty bad word to him. Which one are you referring to? Him the bad F slur. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, well, and it's just because it's part of your general vocabulary. He calls him a fumble bum. He does. Oh my goodness. Frank tells Chad that they need to go to Hong Kong in order for them to reclaim their birthright, a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, Andy. My understanding of tunnels <laughs> and the actual real tunnel, the one that's shown in the film, it yeah. was built by like a private company. And then once they generated, you know, once a certain number of people go through it, then it, it then ends it's up being for. owned. Yeah, and then it's owned by the state. So in 1991, that tunnel went to the, the state. It went back to Hong Kong. And then Hong Kong went back to China, but less about that. I blame Griffith for that. Me too. When they arrive in Hong Kong, they go to a bar, and Chad is mistaken for his brother by Alex's girlfriend, Danielle, who I suspect was not cast for her acting skills. No, 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 no. She's, She's a very 90 uh, lady. Yeah, but fair play to her because she does well in a later scene. It turns out that Danielle works for Griffith and the brothers end up working with her to bring down Griffith and Zhang. The remaining film is basically a few set pieces strung together. Um, let's go through them one by one. Alex tries to sell some cars to gangsters on a boat and they end up getting chased by the police. They drop the cars into the bay and Frank shoots them and they explode. <laughs> nice. Which is what happens when you shoot a car. <laughs> it blows up. 
Uh, Chad gets beaten up by a group of triads who think he's Alex, and they lock him in a shipping container. Which is quite that. The good thing about that is he fights Moon, the character played by Bolo Young, who's obviously a, a Hong Kong legend and looks mental. Obviously. Because he's, obviously. I mean, look at his face. No, but he was an end to the dragon. He's, he's the man. Frank, Alex, and Chad set up a base on an abandoned island for some reason. I don't know what the logic was there, but it's good. To, it's nice to have a little... Who, who wouldn't want a base? They go to the nightclub where the baddies are and deliver boxes of cognac, which turn out to be bombs. Bombs. The club. That's quite good. I like that part. In, where, in one scene where, uh, <laughs> where Frank is... He's holding uh, the detonator like, and he pointing goes, at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also earlier on in the scene where he's like kind of mentally practicing with the detonator, it shows him <laughs> miming pushing the button and he goes... <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. Pretty funny. Well, we were talking about competence porn, and that's it right there. Alex gets drunk and thinks. <laughs> Alex gets drunk and thinks that Chad is shagging Danielle. Uh, a vision. He thinks he's he, having an off with her, which he imagines with crystal 1080p clarity, and I respect that. <laughs> he's got a good imagination. That scene is something else. Because his because his imagination back in the early nineties on a on a scrubbed VHS tape was not so good. But But I'll tell you something is like so his imagination um is clearly lurid and uh, then we we see her nips and, and and all of that crack. But then just before that there's this scene on the boat where she's coming back and she has to change her clothes. Yeah. And for some reason, when I say some reason, for no reason, the camera just cuts to the inside of the boat and watches her getting changed just so we get a, get to see her boobs. No, the camera that, was, they were just going like, hey, what's going on in this other room? Well, I mean, cameras don't just do so that happened, anymore. She was, cha- she was changing. No, they it's don't. The, the cameras are... It's the woke, uh, it's uh, <laughs> the, the woke hierarchy have changed it. We can't just look at ladies' uh, breasts as they change anymore. It's, it's bullshit. a sad time. It's a, sad, yeah. it's a sad day. Well, there are a few great hench people in this. We've I've mentioned Bolo Young as Moon, the crazy triad with one eye. There's Karina Everson, who plays Kara. Ah, she yeah, beats she's people fun. up and she sexually harasses Danielle. Evil lesbian. That's great. That's An nice. evil lesbian because she's yeah, yeah. big and butch. There's the guy who's got spurs on his boots. That's pretty oh, yeah. cool. He likes and he, slits he has a, guy's a kicking throat. fight with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, which is a bit more like a sort of dance. It, it feels like yeah, it's a yeah. bit of a dance scene. I like that, but it did feel like they were going to kiss at the end. There's another guy with a mullet who looks a bit like Big J Okerson, but thinner. Don't know if you know. Yes, him. I know who you're He's talking about. Cool. He looks like a wrestler. Cool. This, this fellow, yeah, 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 he does look like a wrestler. He's pretty cool. Anyway, the film ends uh, with the bad guys storming the island and kidnapping Frank and Danielle, meaning that Chad and Alex have to track them down to the big boat where the bad guys live. They own a boat. On a boat, the lads uh, fight their way through everyone. Bolo Young gets electrocuted against a junction box, which just happens to be open. (laughs) And then (laughs) there's also like some... uh, like fuel or something is is trickling out of some barrels and then that obviously because he's sparking then that just blows everything up the boot spurs guy does like a kind of dance fight with jean-claude van damme and obviously dies because he's up against loads of head kicks up against the the uh the goat eventually griffith gets squashed under a cargo container and zhang gets chucked off a crane the boys get their tunnel revenue and everyone lives happily ever after Two and a half stars. That's why I gave it two and a half stars. I still think, I think that's fine. You get one star for each of the Van Dams, and then you get half a star for the... uh, The lady? Yeah, for his uh, dream sequence. There you go. That's fine. Yeah, no, I'd give this two and a half stars. But bear in mind, I give the double two. I enjoyed this more than the double. I think I would go the double three. I'm gonna have to once I get into my uh when once I get into my letterbox account and, and make the change, I'll bring it back into line. But yeah, I, I enjoyed watching this. I was never bored. No, it's fun. It's fine. Yeah, and again, it's one of these things. I must have seen it a ton when I was a kid, but I couldn't remember it aside from key scenes. So yeah, okay. It's it, it was worthwhile. It made its money. It it never tried to be anything more than it was. Exactly like you said, it's a vehicle for Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
some of the criticism at the time there was a bit saying like there's too much gunplay why didn't he why didn't Never he reload <laughs> not once no why why didn't he like punch and kick people a bit more I think that was one of the criticisms. It's actually, actually a fair criticism. Also, a lot of the violence is like extremely choreographed and looks like it looks like guys are way a split second before they get punched. They're like, okay, no, it's just time to hit me. I thought the fight between the two Van Dams was way better than it had any right to be given the the year. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, you obviously you can see the outline around them. It's early, early green screen doubles, style. Like, yeah, uh, well, yeah, that yeah. too. But like, ah, uh, you're when, talking when, when they're when, sitting when next to each other. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's bold on the same, on the screen, when both Alex and Chad are on the screen together, it, you see that it looks a bit shady. But it's thirty years ago, to be fair. But but even by the time of Jesse Eisenberg, the two Jesse Eisenbergs, you can see that. I mean, that's all. We're obviously that tech now is flawless, even ten years ago. So. If Van Damme came, came back now and he wants to have 40 of himself and do like a big circle jerk, he could do that. But it wouldn't well, be as special. <laughs> I'll give him $50 million. I have it right here in my pocket. If he's willing to reach in and get it, it's all his. I don't really have much to say about uh, the cast. There's nobody it, worth mentioning? Not really. I mean, the Van Damme thing, he was addicted to coke mm, for a while. I saw he had that. a bad time of that. He's had quite a few wives. He had an affair with Kylie Minogue. Nice. When they were filming Street Fighter. Nice. He he bagged Donald Trump. Oh. He's, uh, apparently he's bipolar. Yeah. Uh, I watched the first 20 minutes of that JCVD film. This week? Yeah, I didn't manage to watch any more. And also the tone at the start, I was a bit like, I don't know. It felt a bit sort of... Belgian farcical comedy with just an early scene. I enjoyed scene. it, but there's I this, only watched There's this the early ones. scene where the guys who own the video shop get into this argument with a woman like parking her car, and then this cop turns up and says exactly the same lines that they say to her, so, and it's like a whole, like, Ugh. it just felt sort of like whimsical French comedy, and I kind of checked out at that point, which is probably when it starts to get good, but anyway. All right, well, fuck it then. Should we do well, it? Mean, who else is there? Well, I mean, Jeffrey Lewis, he's Juliette Lewis's dad. At the same time as he was making this, she was making Cape Fear. So we know who the clear winner is here. Jeffrey, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, that's it. Whatever. Bully Young, legend. He was an end to the dragon. The end. Mazel tov. Indeed. So what, pray tell, are you bringing to the toss table today? <laughs> This is a film that I've seen banded around in some of the competence porn chat, and that is 2016's Denial about uh, famed that Holocaust. River in Egypt? <laughs> yeah, Denial. But that famed Holocaust denier, what's his chops? Ah, that blog you read. <laughs> yeah, Donna Katirnan, I think his name is. Uh, what's his uh, name again? It's completely gone out of my head. David Irving. David Irving, indeed, the big evil Holocaust. Yeah, he pr guy. he pretends like he didn't know any fucking <laughs> got it tattooed on my arm. Wait, let me yeah. just read it off the inside of my arm. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So I've gone for what's called what's been called the greatest American Jalo, nineteen seventy one's Let's Scare Jessica to Death. <laughs> I like how literal it is. There you go. All right. Fifty? Or Shakespeare? 50. Fuck Shakespeare. Hard Brexit. Caught it like a classic man toss. And it's man Shakespeare. Toss. You know that Shakespeare, Shakespeare, has one. Shakespeare can't get into the European Union. You know why? Why? He's barred. Come on now. Oh, very good. Very good. Did you just make nice. that up there? No. Well, repurposed. Nice. Whoever made it up originally? Genius. Uh, so what might I have won? What might you have won? Well, it was going to be director... Oh, no, wait. What no, might wait. you have won? Yeah, what might I have won? All right. I was going to go Why is this so Holocaust. confusing now as to who's I don't won? Know, we've we I fucked this confused. up a couple of times. I know, I know. It's getting, it is confusing now, but it never used to be. Uh, I was going to go full Holocaust, much like uh, your ancestors. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's a joke. I was going to go with uh, the Hungarian film, Son of Saul. Oh, yeah, I heard that's very good, but obviously not very fun. No, I doubt it's very fun. So what have I got? Your choices are director, year, or genre. Okay. Fuck it. Genre. I was very loose with genre, and... Uh, I mean, what the hell? 
Well, I mean, I just for genre, I just put horror. Okay, that's fair. That's see, I mean, that's my understanding. And I went with uh, 2023's The Boogeyman. Okay, very good. I wouldn't want to watch that. Yeah, the Rob Savage film. I have respect for old Rob Savage. Sweet. What and director was, uh... was Bang the Drum Slowly. Yes. And year 1971 was going to be THX 1138. Okay. No, I'm uh, happiest to watch yeah, the boogie. Boogeyman. Okay, good. Boogeyman. That's good. Are you happy? Yeah, Boogeyman I was planning to watch, but because it just... if Obviously, we've got the obligation to watch two films a week, and then outside of that, you're like, well, I want to make it count. Because <laughs> time is limited, <laughs> so I yeah. now I, like if I've got the obligation to watch the Boogeyman, then great. All right, and, well, and also respect to Rob Savage. I watched Host and Dashcam, so yeah, indeed, I'm up, I'm up to date with my Rob Savage. He's a good boy. Host is scary. It's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. All right, and, well, in that case, Dashcam is mental. Uh, yes, you weren't a big fan. Enemy of the Show, John Spillane likes it. No, I thought it was fine. But I remember, do you remember I watched two films called Dashcam that week? No, I don't. Remind me. <laughs> I watched another film from the same year called Dashcam. There were two. I watched both films called Dashcam from 2021. What was the other one about? It's about like a guy who's he uncovers like a sort of government plot, and he thinks he's being watched because he gets footage from someone's dashcam of like a murder. It's pretty Sounds decent as well. It's like a, it's not bad. It, it's like, like a good a, year to name your movie Dashcam. It is one of those screen, whatever they were called, like screen films. What's that called again? I can't remember. There was a genre name. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, no, I remember. Whatever they're called. The one where you see everything, like it plays out on like a PC screen or whatever. Anyway, more of that next week. Yes, indeed. All right. There's nothing left but to say I love you. I love you. I love you. you, Andy. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Get